Good morning, Central. So glad that uh, you are here today. This is a great day when we get an extra hour of sleep, isn't it? The best day of the year, I call it. Well, I'm Roger Edrington, and I'm one of the uh, uh, followers of Jesus who, who live and uh, work in this community, and just glad to be a part of you today. Let's begin with a word of prayer today. Lord, thank you so much that you have called us to be your people. And maybe there are some who are, are still wondering about that calling here today. And I just ask that you'd help all of us to realize that calling and the high calling that you've uh, given to us. And we are grateful that you are the God of, of all and that you love us all. Help us uh, in this uh, message to receive your truth, Lord, and get out of the way anything that's just me and help uh, people to receive your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder how many rich people we have out there today. Do we have any rich people? Oh, we've got a few. Now note those people, and you want to make friends with those people uh, for sure. But we live in a culture, don't we, that's always telling us to get rich. And it's constantly sort of uh, enticing us to want to get richer. But nobody's saying how to live rich. That is, if you actually get rich... How are you supposed to live like a rich Christian? And the question you have to ask yourself today is, are you rich? And the reality is, I think nobody really knows where the line is between rich and not rich. I mean, you'll never get a paycheck one day and think, wow, I'm rich. Uh, you won't go to work one day and say, well, finally, at five o'clock on Friday night, I became a rich person. I've crossed the line from being non-rich to rich. We just don't know where that line is. But what's going to happen to you maybe one day, if you're not there already, is that you may cross that line from being not rich to rich, and you won't know it. And if you don't think you're rich, you won't live like a rich follower of Jesus. Now, if you read the Bible, you know that the Bible talks a lot about money. And Jesus especially talked about it a lot. But there are some passages in the Bible that are specifically to rich people. There was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy who he was really teaching how to teach others and what to teach others. And Paul told Timothy, you know, when you see rich people, here's what I want you to tell them. Here are some specific instructions that are just for rich people. And it starts out like this command those who are rich in the world. Now, why would Paul write something just for rich people? I mean, why would God, who inspired Paul to write this, inspire him to write something just for people who are rich? I mean, doesn't God treat us all equally? The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. We tend to think, well, if it's in the Bible, it's for everybody. And yet God inspired Paul to write some verses that he says are just for rich people. And the reason is pretty simple if you just look around. Because rich people have some unique issues that are only relevant to them. Rich people have unique temptations. Rich people have unique responsibilities. And it's sometimes hard for us to believe, but it can be challenging to be rich. It can be very difficult. And consequently, rich people are set up for all sorts of troubles and trials 
that non-rich people don't have to deal with. And because God loves poor people and he loves rich people and he loves all those in between, he says, look, I want to be sensitive to rich people. I want to give them something that will help them. You'll remember that Jesus had said, it's going to be hard, really hard, for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven because they have these unique temptations that normal people don't have. And this was true in the first century when Paul wrote this, and it's also true today. So if you're taking some notes in your, in, in your bulletin there, you can write down rich people have problems non-rich people don't have. Now maybe you've heard of some of those problems. You know, rich people have so much food in their house that they're tempted to eat too much. I mean, this is amazing when you think about it, isn't it? And then they have to go on diets because they ate too much, and it's hard to diet with so much food in the house. And rich people also have so much food that they don't use it all up before it spoils. So they'll have to throw out the old food, and they have to go to the supermarket and buy new food. Now, poor people don't have to worry about this at all. And rich people worry about their kids. They tell other rich people, you know, I'm so worried about my children because they have so much stuff. I mean, they have cell phones and computers and video games, and I just don't know how to get them off them so they will talk to us. And then Christmas comes, and they buy some more stuff for the kids. Rich people also have a lot of social pressure. You have to look a certain way, so you have to pay attention to the styles, and you have to make sure that you shop in the right stores and get your hair cut in the right way. And, and rich people may not want that to be true, but it's really just part of the world they live in. And sometimes rich women will just stand in front of their closet and they will stare at it. Now, I haven't seen this, but I've just heard about it. And they will look at this closet full of clothes, and what will they say? I don't have anything to wear. You must know some rich people too. Now meanwhile, the rich husband is out in the garage. That's right, rich people actually have houses for their cars. It's really cool. I mean, poor people may not even have a house, but rich people have houses for their cars. And they'll go out in their house for their car, and they'll look at their cars, and they'll say, you know, I need a new car. Now, the one they have runs just fine, but they will spend days and days reading consumer reports and searching the Internet and comparing prices and features and trying out to find out which car to replace it with. And then they have to take that old car down to the dealer and they have to haggle with him and go from this manager to that manager to get a new car. Rich people have so much extra money that it just creates an extra layer of stress and complexity to their lives because there's so many choices about what to buy. It takes time and it isn't easy to make all those choices. Now meanwhile, their rich children are up in their rooms and they'll look at their phone and then they'll run down to their mom and say, Mom, I need a new phone because my friend just got the best phone ever. Now, the one they have makes phone calls just fine and sends texts and it even has little pictures on it where you can go anywhere on the internet with it. 
But on a Saturday, when dad could be watching sports on TV, they dragged their parents down to the phone store to find the exact right phone. Even rich kids have a lot of stress that normal kids just don't have. Now here's another problem. Rich people have so much extra money that they have to do financial planning. They actually have to pay someone how to use their money. And they have to do estate planning. I mean, how cool would this be? They know that when they die, they're going to have so much extra money that they're going to have leftover money after they die. They have to spend time and money trying to figure out what they're going to do with that leftover money. Poor people don't have to worry about these things at all. And rich people pay somebody to actually help them to know what to do with their money after they're dead. So that's extra pressure too. And here's another one. Rich people work in companies where the company says, you know, I'm going to give you two weeks or three weeks when you don't have to work. But I'm going to pay you just like you were working. It's called vacation. And I mean, this is amazing when you think about it. But rich people then have to take the time to plan what to do with all that time when they don't have to work. And then they argue about where they're going to go and get all stressed out about how much they're going to spend each day. And then they get on planes and rent rooms and cars. And it's stressful going on vacation. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not. And sometimes they're just glad to get back to their stressful job. Rich people have stresses that normal people don't. And it hurts them. It hurts their marriages. It hurts their family relationships. It hurts a lot of things. Now after all that, I didn't hear anybody sh stand up and shout, Honey, I'm rich. I didn't know that. I'm so glad I came today. But the truth is, all of you have probably crossed that line to being rich just by living in this rich country. But I know that in Silicon Valley, mortgages and rent are just about the highest in the country. And you don't feel rich. And the reason we don't feel rich is because we don't have any financial margin. Because we feel we have to have everything that everybody else has. All of our resources are spoken for. And as long as you don't feel rich, you won't live like a rich follower of Jesus. And you'll come to these verses and you'll think, well, there's one verse that doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. So the first lesson we're going to have to learn about how to live rich is to admit that we're rich. We actually have to admit that we're rich. Now look, I know some of us are struggling. Some of us may, in be, may be in financial reversal or may be out of work. Some of us are deeply in debt. Some of us have made some decisions in our life that have left us in deep trouble. Some of us live in a rented room, perhaps, and barely make it week to week. But my guess is the majority of us are probably doing okay. We have more than we need, more food, more devices, more entertainment. We have more than we need. We've crossed that line at some point to being rich. Most of us are probably rich in somebody's estimation, even if it's not in your own. And I'm going to ask you to do something really uncomfortable today. Some of you will remember that I've uh, done this with you before, but I want you to repeat this after me if you can. I have more than I need. 
I'm rich. How did that feel? Mm, have any of you said that before? <laughs> you know, it can be tough. But now let's do the Christian version. You may not be a Christian yet, but if you are, uh, see if you can say this after me. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But you don't need to feel guilty about it. You need to feel grateful. You need to say, thank you, God. Thank you. I'm grateful. Teach me how to live like a rich Christian. You gave me more than I need. I, I don't deserve this. Why was I born here? You know, but you made me rich, God. And I want to be good at being rich. And I want to model it for the next generation. Now here's the whole passage we want to look at today. It's from 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 and following. And then I want to zero in just on verse 18. Paul writes to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Because a lot of rich people are arrogant. And we have some good examples in the public eye today. Nor to put their hope in wealth. Well, that's all a lot of rich people have to put their hope in. But wealth is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us for everything for our enjoyment. God has blessed me with more than I need. And here's what I want us to focus in on. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now Paul is telling Timothy to command followers of Jesus to, to do good, but not in the way that the average person does good. Because the average Christian is supposed to do good. In fact, every person is supposed to do good. But he says, I want them to do good as only rich followers of Jesus can. I want you to tell these rich people to think about the margin in their life that, that they have in terms of time and that they have in terms of finances. I want you to instruct these rich persons to do good in only the way that a rich person can do good. This isn't the normal American good this is good like only followers of Jesus can do. Paul made it crystal clear. He said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. So be rich in good deeds. Tell the rich people, I don't want them to do average good. You know, I helped that old lady across the street. That guy needed a buck, so I gave it to him. I mowed my neighbor's lawn while they were away on vacation. I bought a meal for a hungry person. No, no. I want you to do good in only the way that rich followers of Jesus can do good. Now, here's what Paul knew about rich people, and here's what we know about rich people today. Rich people have extra time. Extra time. Now, we don't feel like we have extra time, but we do. Most of us perhaps get a couple of days off work. That was unheard of in Paul's day and unheard of in much of the world today. And many of you have vacation days. Some of us are actually retired. Here's the interesting thing. The more extra time people have, the less extra time they give to serving others. And here's why. Because rich people have a lot of options. Rich people are rich in options. Rich people go out to eat. They go to movies. Rich people have hobbies. They go places. 
And when there's an extra day or an extra weekend or an extra, extra week, we sit down and say, well, how can I use that extra time doing something we would enjoy? How can I use our extra time for something that would be good for us? And consequently, we get to the end of 12 months and look back and say, hmm, was I rich in good deeds? I mean, I've got this extra, and you might say something like, well, who's got the time to be rich in good deeds? I mean, I've got some extra time, but it's, it's all filled up. I mean, we went there, we did this, we had this event. And at the end of a lifetime, you may have been rich in time. You may have been rich in options, but you weren't rich in good deeds. Because you and I live in a world that takes all of our extra time and programs us to ask the question, how can I use my extra time for me, for us? And consequently, you may do some good in the world because most people do some good in the world, but you won't be rich in good deeds. You will have missed what it means to take hold of the life that's really life that Paul talks about. At some point, I think real followers of Jesus, rich followers of Jesus have got to say, well, look, I've got two weeks off or three weeks off, or I've got a Friday or a Saturday here and there. And before I program all that extra time, how can I leverage some of that extra time like only a rich person can leverage it for the sake of somebody else, for the sake of God's kingdom? Now, you know what's ironic is that you will spend all that time, and you'll go to a movie and you'll say, that wasn't a very good movie. Or you'll go to a restaurant and you'll walk out and say, that was okay, but I probably wouldn't go back. You'll go on vacation and say, well, I had a good time, but honestly, I was a little disappointed. But you go spend half a day serving somebody else. Or you go on a mission trip for a week or two, or you, you work on a project for children, or you paint a community center on a beautiful day project, and you don't come back and say, it was all right, or that was a total waste of time. You come back exhausted, but you're motivated, and you've been, been opened up, your eyes have been opened, and you, and you want to tell that story over and over. Or our young people come back from Ireland or Mexico or San Francisco and they want to tell you that story of how it's changed them. And yet, the next time you have extra time, your tendency, my tendency, is to say, how can I use that time for me? And Paul says, all right, do you want to know how to be rich? Well, here's how to live rich. Figure out how to do good, how to be rich in good deeds for others. Don't get sucked into the cultural vortex that it's all about me, me, me. I want you to be rich in good deeds. Now, here's the second part. He says, command them to be generous and to be willing to share. He says that in two ways, actually. Be generous and be willing to share. And you say, well, I give, I share. When there's this charity thing, I give. When there's a deal where they're raising money, I buy something. I give some money to the church when the plate comes around or if I happen to be in church or, or I even give online, at least when I can. But Paul says, wait, wait, wait. I'm not talking to average people here. 
I'm not talking to average followers of Jesus. I'm talking to rich followers of Jesus. And I want you to be beyond average because you're not average people. You're rich followers of Jesus. God has blessed you with more than you need. And I want you to be generous as only rich followers of Jesus can be. Now the same thing is true of our money that's true of our time. Rich people have extra money. And rich people have options, lots of options for their money. So consequently, without ever thinking about it, we just get up in the morning and we just do what everybody else does. We spend all our extra money on us because we live in a culture that's rich in options. There's always something else to wear. There's always something else to listen to. There's always something else to buy. There's always someplace else to go. But just because you can afford it doesn't mean that you should spend it on you. That's not how to be rich. That's how to be selfish. And Paul says, I want you to learn how to be rich, how to live rich. I want you to develop a lifestyle of generosity that surpasses everybody else. And here's the crazy thing. Every study shows that the richer a person is, the less they give away to others, to charity and to other organizations. The more money a person has, the less percentage of their income that they give away. Now you would think that the more they have, the more they give, but it's just not true. In the U.S., in fact, every year, the studies show that the lower the income, the higher the percentage of money is given away. And Paul saw, saw the same thing. He, he writes to rich Christians, rich Corinthian Christians, and he says that they're receiving a gift from some poor Christians. We read this last week too, but I want to read it again. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, the grace of giving that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich, here's our word, rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. No, no. They gave beyond their ability. Entirely of their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then they gave themselves also to us. And that's what very poor people do who realize that they're actually rich. What they do, they give themselves to God and then they give themselves to others. Now some of you know I've been going to India for a few years now to teach uh, pastors more about the Bible. But the truth is they always teach me more than I teach them. And these lay pastors are very poor, but they go up into the mountains to the extremely poor to tell people about Jesus at considerable expense to themselves. One fellow actually sold his hen in order to, to uh, get enough money to buy gasoline so he could put it in his motorcycle and go up in the mountains and share the gospel. The same guy I just heard um, a few weeks ago, he almost drowned a few weeks ago crossing a river. They have to walk through the rivers that was swifter than he expected. And he'd already spent months in jail a couple of years ago for preaching the gospel. 
Now that's just one of those who gave themselves to the Lord and then to others. And, and God says to us, come on, come on. Learn how to be rich. Give big. Get creative with your giving. Plan it. Think about it. I mean, sometimes we sit around the house and we get out pencil and paper or a spreadsheet and we try to figure out if we can afford something. And we say, honey, I I think if we move this around and this payment around, we can probably afford it. And you will spend all kinds of brain cells and energy trying to figure out if you can afford something. But have you ever spent that kind of time trying to figure out how much you can give, whether you can give more. No? You know why? Because maybe you don't know how to be rich. You just know how to spend money on yourself. And you say, wow, I'm glad I came to church today to get beat up. This is really great. But Paul understands rich people. He says rich people are not naturally generous. Paul said to Timothy, don't just assume they're going to give more because they have more. They're going to have to teach them. You're going to have to teach them to be generous, to be willing to share what they have. Tell them not to let their lifestyle ramp up with their income. God gave them margin. God gave you margin, just not for your sake, but for the sake of his work in the world. Now here's how this works. The reality, as a rich person, you have margin in both time and money, especially compared to people in the rest of the world. And here's what I think you have to do. You have to make a conscious decision to pre-decide to give your time and money away for God's purposes. Now, I know some of you have already done that and you've already got it, but I want to speak to those particularly who may not have. Because the natural tendency is to be a spontaneous server. That if something comes up, Sure, I'll go spend an hour helping them and and you feel pretty good about yourself. And it's natural to be a spontaneous giver. Oh, they need $300 for a mission trip? Well, I'll give that. Or the cancer fundraiser comes around or the kid next door is selling wrapping paper or they're building something new at the church. So sure, I'll give to that. They ask for a dollar at the checkout and I, I push the yes button. That's not how to be rich. To be good at living rich the way the Apostle Paul instructs us, we have to pre-decide. If we don't decide, you know what we give for God and for others? Leftovers. That's what we give. We give leftovers. Now, if you have guests come to your house, you wouldn't go to the refrigerator and say, hmm, what do we have here? Uh, Oh, we have a couple of buffalo wings here from last week. And uh, we have some potatoes, and they look like they've matured very well. (laughs) And, oh, let's open up this Tupperware. Mm, I don't know what that is, but you can have some of that. We don't give guests leftovers. And here's what happens. If you don't pre-decide about your time and your money, the kingdom of God and the people that matter so much to God will always get your leftover time and your leftover money. That's not how to be rich. That's just how to be like everybody else. And the only way to be involved in what God really wants is to decide, to pre-decide, if that's a word. The Bible talks about systematic, regular giving, pre-deciding to do something with an asset in order to have something in the future. 
Now when you plan your 401k or maybe your savings plan, you intentionally set aside something every month or every payday or however it works for you so that you will know that you're going to have something in the future. And the only way for followers of Jesus is to live rich is to pre-decide to invest some of our time and some of our money into God's work. We don't wait to see if we have leftover time or leftover money. We plan to give it ahead of time. Now in terms of your money, here's what you need to do. You need to, need to take a percentage of your money and pre-decide to set it aside for God's work. You need to be a percentage giver, not a spontaneous giver. You don't just pull out your wallet and put in whatever happens to be there. That's leftovers. You don't just give because you saw some pictures that broke your heart. You need to do that too. But that's what average people do. That's not what rich followers of Jesus do. Now to be good at being rich, before I spend anything on me, I'm going to give a percentage of my money. It's already been decided. The first 10% is going to my church. And because God has blessed me more than I need, some of us can say, you know, I'm going to add a missionary to that. Or I'm going to support a child in a third, third world that I, I think would be really useful. And we're going to have some missionaries coming here in a few weeks. And you and your kids can get together and make a decision about that. And you say, well, I want to give to somebody who's making a difference for God in the world. But before we spend any money, that first percentage is going right there. And we'll learn to live on the rest. That's what rich followers of Jesus do. And here's a simple model for being rich, for living rich. Give first, save second, live on the rest. Give first, save second, give on the rest. If you haven't learned yet, you need to learn to tithe. And say to God, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life in such a way that I can give 10% of my income. Or 15%. Or some of us are so rich that we can give 20 or 30 or maybe even 50%. And it wouldn't even be a stretch for us. And when a bonus or unexpected money comes in, you need to ask, why has God blessed me with this? Is it for me? Or is it for somebody else? You give right off the top. Or maybe you give the whole thing and you say, well, I don't need this. God has blessed me with this. It must be for somebody else. It must be for his kingdom work. And as your money goes there, guess what follows? Your heart. Your heart goes to those people that you care about. And you know what? Most of us, if we would reduce our lifestyle some and quit doing silly things with debt and quit sitting around the house figuring out for hours if we can afford something, you know what? If it takes you an hour to figure out if you can afford something, you can't afford it. If you have to be creative and stretch and get yourself into debt to afford something, you're going to be forced to give leftovers. You just are. That's not how to be a rich follower of Jesus. We need to break the trend that rich people give less. If you're not a percentage giver, you're probably just not a good giver. You're just not. If you've never given like this before, I know it can be a growth challenge. It is. 
Maybe you have to start out with 5% for a month or two and then move it up or, or whatever your number is, but just start. Now, some of you started giving 10% when you were five or six or seven years old. And that's what I did. And it's easy now. It's not hard. I still remember doing an errand for an old lady across the street and earning one thin dime. And I, I made that, I, I, I changed that into 10 pennies and I gave one of them to the church and I loved it. And if you're like me, you learn to give a dime out of a dollar and a, and a dollar out of $10 and, and $10 out of 100 and you've been tithing all your life. But maybe you've been at the same level of giving for 20 or 30 or 50 years. I mean, what do you do the same way you did when you were six? Nothing. We don't do anything the same way. And so it's time for us to grow up in our giving. And you say, well, I thought God just wanted 10% of your money. No, no. God wants you to learn to live rich. He wants you to be generous. Many of us can give much more than 10%. Even when I was uh, 13 years old, I remember working full-time in a grocery store six days a week, mowing 20 big Western, mid, Midwestern lawns all summer, and I realized that God had blessed me with more than I need. Maybe I didn't know those words then, but I realized that 10% wasn't enough, and so I started increasing my percentage. And Ricky and I are still doing that as we look at what has God blessed us with. Now, can you imagine what would have happened if Christians had outserved and outgiven and outloved everybody in our culture? You can't dislike somebody who serves you. You just can't hate somebody who doesn't believe the same way you do. But if Christians had just taken this one verse seriously, to be extraordinary servers, to be extraordinary givers, to take advantage of our extra time and our extra money, if we'd just gotten this one thing right, possibly the perception of Christianity in the entire world would have been different. Because it makes a difference when you serve people. And some of the best sharing of the good news of Jesus is when people serve and give to others because service and generosity break down barriers. It breaks down barriers. It breaks down relational barriers and communication barriers and cultural barriers. Peter wrote it this way. He said, live such good lives among the pagans, that is the surrounding culture who aren't followers of Jesus. Live such good lives that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So Paul says to Timothy, you know, tell those rich people, you have opportunities that other people in the world don't have. Don't allow all of your extra time and your money to get sucked up on you. Don't allow all your extra money to be used on your lifestyle. Take advantage of that strategic place that God has put you in and leverage it in a way that honors God and his agenda for the world. Andy Stanley put this saying together that I love and, and have used as my mantra in a lot of ways. Uh, and he also gave me a lot of other ideas in the sermon. So would you repeat this after me if you can? We've already done the first line. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. 
but I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. And since I have more, I will do more, and I will give more. That's how to be rich. Being rich in a way that honors the Father in heaven. And perhaps one day, somebody who disagrees with you, perhaps somebody who doesn't know about this Jesus day one day, perhaps somebody who sees you serving with passion and giving generously may ask you, why? And you can say, because of what was so generously and lavishly given to me when God sent his son to die for me. And how can I not be generous with what he's given me? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your generosity, for you sharing what you had, your only son, with us, for you sharing truth, but even more for you sharing grace. We couldn't have figured this out on our own, Lord. There's nothing we could have done to earn it, I know I don't deserve it, but you've given me the opportunity to enter into your kingdom, to be saved from sin and to you. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us that much. Would you help us today to be, to be generous with what we have? Help us to realize how rich we are and that we all have something to share with somebody else. And Lord, uh, perhaps there are some here who haven't yet given their lives to Jesus like those Macedonians did. And I pray that you would help us to give our lives straight out to you today. If there's somebody who needs to come to you, would you help them to make that decision to come to you today? and ask you to come into their lives in a big way. Lord, we all need to be transformed and maybe our giving is one of those ways. But I pray that you would give us all the strength and the courage to do what we're called to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.